Well, praise the Lord and welcome to our Friday morning cross time with Pastor Curtis Bible study right now. Uh, well, as a matter of fact, starting today, we're going to start digging into the last letter that the Apostle Paul ever wrote, which is Second Timothy. And uh, just excited to be here on this Friday morning with you. If you live anywhere in the Atlanta, Queen City region, and you're not doing anything on uh, Friday mornings at 9 a.m., then I encourage you to come be a part of the Bible study or tune in live on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page or the uh, Curtis Hutchinson 316 YouTube channel. And there you can find these teachings after the fact as well on the, the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. We also have a church app, and uh, you can download that on your phone and get everything we do here at Crossway Church uh, live or after the fact they're uploaded there. And I just encourage you to follow along with, with us if you like learning the truth of God's Word. Uh, you know, the church finally is coming back. Not a lot, but uh, there, there is a remnant coming back. Uh, to the truth of God's Word, which is a focus on the faith of Jesus Christ and what He did at Calvary, and that is the focus. So this morning, uh, we will begin to dig into 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is the first session in this second chapter. Uh, on the 17th day of July here in 2020. And again, let me, let me say it again that this morning, uh, we'll be digging into 2 Timothy, which is the last letter the Apostle Paul ever wrote. And he wrote this letter from a prison dungeon. Uh, and the, the reason he was in prison this particular time was because there was a great Christian persecution taking place. Paul had been in prison before when Christianity was still uh, in the minds of others as just some sect off of Judaism, some branch off of Judaism. But uh, this time, the reason Paul is in prison in a prison dungeon is because uh, again, there was a great Christian persecution, and the reason there was this time is because Rome had been burned to the ground, and Nero had been blamed for it, and he shifted the blame to the Christians, and therefore the big persecution started, and this is really uh, the reason that Paul was in prison now, because of what he was doing, what he was preaching and teaching and warning against, and this would be the place that he would spend the last days of his lives writing uh, this last letter to Timothy, and it should be very encouraging to us, and I pray that as we go through this second uh, letter, Paul's last letter, that we would find the encouragement of the Lord in that he wrote this to Timothy, knowing that he was going to be executed. Just imagine that. You know that you're not getting out of jail except to go have your head taken. Uh, <clears throat> so Paul had run his race, finished his course, and was writing this letter to Timothy. <clears throat> and, I, you know, we've heard it before that the last words, the last thing written uh, should be very important because that's coming from the deepest part of your heart because you know you're leaving. What's the most important thing I can leave? That's what I have to be talking about. That's what I have to be writing. And <clears throat> we ought to live our lives that way too each and every day. This could be our last day. And I don't think we do that uh, like we ought to, but we ought to live our lives like it's the very last day we've got on earth, whether the thought is we could be raptured today or the reality of that we could just perish today from who knows what. But we should uh, live our lives 
as it is our last day to be here with great significance. And we have a great role to play as Christians. We are the light and the salt of this earth, and we're the only things uh, allowing uh, God to move and, and do what he does in the earth today. He does it all in and through his church. And uh, I'm thankful to be a part of that, and I know you are as well this morning. So Second Timothy chapter 1 the Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. So much said there for the Bible student who studies the Word of God. You could get hung up on that one verse for quite some time. And uh, really, Paul, he, he signs his name to this. This is coming from me, Timothy. I'm Paul. I'm writing this to you. And Timothy already knew that Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. Timothy already knew that his calling and apostleship was according to the promise of, of life, which is in Christ Jesus. But he's reminding him. And as you'll see as we go through this letter, really... This is a letter of reminding Timothy of, of who he is, what he has, and what he's had since he was a child, and what his mother and his grandmother's got, this like, precious, unfeigned faith he'll talk about in a minute. So Timothy already knew these things. You and I go to church every week. We hear things we've already heard before. But if we're growing and, and we're becoming stronger in the faith, the things we've heard uh, have a, you know, the Holy Spirit uses those things that we've already heard to equip us, to strengthen us even more in the callings and the giftings that God has given each of us to walk in. And we need to remember that a lot of the church today, if they've heard a message titled that or they've heard this, this portion of the scriptures taught, they'll just turn it off and their mind will start going uh, uh, about how am I going to pay my bills and which bills I should pay first and or they'll start cleaning their nails. Well, I've already heard this 20 times, you know. You listen, if that's your attitude, you're going to miss out. You're really going to miss out because you are... With that attitude, you're telling God, I already know all about that. And I promise you, you don't know all about anything in the Word of God. It cannot be uh, exhausted. We say that, and then we act like idiots, and we, we, we act like we've exhausted it. Amen, Brother Curtis. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Well, I've heard I'm teaching in Romans 6 now on Wednesday nights, and I'm sure there's folks that are like, yeah, I've heard that 15 years. I promise you, you ain't heard all there is to hear. And so my point is, Paul is writing this important letter, last letter. Paul knows he's about to die. So this is what he does. He doesn't write anybody else. Notice who he writes. Timothy. That's powerful. Timothy is the only one, I believe, that he could really call. He, he had other, other followers and other co-laborers in the ministry, but Timothy's the only one he could call his son, the, his beloved son. It wasn't his biological son, but his beloved son in the Lord. Timothy stayed with him through, man, hell and high water, whatever, and, uh, and, and, and was even able to be made... Uh, stay in Ephesus. And we've, we've learned that going through 1 Timothy. And Paul left him there to, to pastor a church and to really apostle whatever the work was there. And, and he had to be reminded what he had, who he was, and, 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 and had to be warned by Paul against all those that were coming at him with all sorts of false doc, doctrine. 
He had to be told by Paul what a true widow was, who to look for to serve in ministry with him and given the criteria and all these things. And so uh, in this last letter, it's just a reminder, an encouraging reminder. And can I say not just to Timothy, but to me and all who will uh, have ears to hear, it is a reminder of all today who has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church you know, I, 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 I'm an avid reader. I read lots of books, and, and I, I'm reading some book about Paul right now. It's about that thick, and the guy uses words about that long, and, and I have to read it slow because I'm not really too bright. But every once in a while, you'll be reading in a book, and some, some of these Bible scholars, they'll make the comment that maybe Paul... Uh, missed a little bit of it right here. Maybe Paul uh, slipped. That's what the book said. Maybe Paul slipped on this a little bit. And every time I read something like that, I just kind of underline it or circle it and write wrong and then write up above it on the margin somewhere that Paul never missed it. If Paul missed it, then we can't trust any of the Bible because Paul had the same authority. He had the same unction of the Holy Spirit that the prophets did. So when we talk about Paul might have slipped and missed it, then we can't trust any of the Bible. And see, we need to get back to the Bible being the inerrant Word of God. You can trust every word, whether it was the prophets or Paul or Peter or whoever wrote it. It is the Word of God. And when you start slipping by saying Paul might have slipped, Paul didn't slip, but you are. You're slipping when you start talking about Paul might have not understood. And I've heard preachers say that. And we need to always maintain the truth, and that's this, that Paul had the unction from the Holy Spirit to write what he wrote. And when you start moving away from that reality, you're moving away from the reality of serving God. So again, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Now let's talk about those. Won't say very much, but Paul describes who he is. I mean, Timothy knew him, but he wants him to know this letter's from me, Timothy. And remember, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm an apostle. And that apostleship is of Jesus Christ. I didn't call myself the Twelve in Jerusalem. The high-ranking twelve in Jerusalem didn't, didn't call me an apostle. Jesus Christ called me an apostle, gifted me as an apostle, and it's according to the will of God. Uh, and, and many times, you know, even in this first verse, he mentions the will of God and the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. And Paul many times mentions God the Father and Jesus Christ. It's because they're one. Jesus came to do what had to be done, but the Father was doing it in him. He said, the works I do, they're not my own, but the Father's doing the works. And the Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling sinners to himself. God created the world by his word. His word became flesh, Jesus. And everything that was created was created by him. That's what the Bible says in John chapter 1. So you can't separate the Father and the Son. They're two distinct persons. And Paul uh, recognizes God the Father and God the Son. In all of his teaching he does, and that's important as we move through this here in a couple of verses later. But he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ called him to be an apostle. And if Jesus Christ hadn't called you to do what you're doing, my Lord, you're going to be miserable. But it's by the will of God, according to the promise of life, 
which is in Christ Jesus. See, everything that Paul was called to do was in Christ Jesus, and it was all according to the promise of life. And that is the will of God for everyone to have eternal life, the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. And it's the only place the giftings work, whether it's apostleship, evangelist, pastor, teacher, prophet, uh, I don't care, administrator, I don't care what the gift is. And we've been teaching on Mondays and Thursdays in Romans 12 uh, about the gifts. They all operate by grace. Uh, and, and we can operate in the gifts we're called to operate in by grace for years if our, while our faith remains in Christ and His sacrificial work. But when we move away from the cross with, as the, being the object of our faith, it's no longer grace. And here's what's deceived us for many, many years now, decades and decades, is that I can still function in the form of my gift without grace. And, and seduce the people because I'm being seduced. And I'm not here to teach on that this morning. But all the gifts, everything that Paul was even called to be and to do was according to the promise of life. His name is Jesus. And it's found only in Jesus. And, and everything we're called to do only functions by grace. All the gift functions by grace. And Monday night in prayer, and I have to bring this up because I wondered for a long time, how did men... How did men, how did God use men in the great healing crusades uh, to see, to do all that he did? But then we read also that they uh, were found whiskey drunks and they were, they had all this. And the Lord really began to minister to me this week that it's not sin in our lives that keeps the gifts from working. It's the wrong object of faith. So, and I want you to think about that. The gifts operate by grace. And you and I, and I'll say this to confirm what I'm talking about. You and I, if three days from right now, we committed a sin. Three days from now. that Today, we don't know nothing about. Well, Jesus taught that sin didn't come from out to in. That sin came, comes from in to out. So three days prior today, when we didn't know nothing about it, that was already in the heart. Well, God's going, He's going to use people anyway, even though He knows what they're going to do, what's already in the heart three days prior to it coming out of the heart, or 50 years prior to it coming out of the heart. So the gifts are, are by grace. And grace is through, only through the cross of Christ. And that means a daily trusting in the cross of Christ. And sin does not remove us from operating by grace. The wrong object of faith does. So that should help you. And, and Paul, uh, this gift he had, uh, Paul, was, Paul missed it too before he got the revelation of the cross. He admits it. What I want to stop doing that's wrong, I can't stop doing it. What I know that's right, I should be doing it. I can't do it. Well, what's that called? That's called sin. But he finally got a hold of the revelation of the cross. And at the end of his life here, which is when this letter was written again, he had learned that through experience and just what the Lord had given him in revelation. And so we need to hang on to that in all of our experiences in life, that everything God's called us to do and to be is according to the will of God. And it tells us right here, according to the promise of life that's in Christ Jesus. Because that's why we're here to 
express the life that we have, eternal life. His name is Jesus. He dwells in us by his spirit, and we're called to express that. Not on Sunday and Wednesday, but every day of the week. We are to serve God at all times, and, and no matter what. And, you know, let's, let's think about this thought. This letter was written as an encouraging word to Timothy and the people there in Ephesus, and us today, really, when it was written, it was a great and awful time. Christians were being persecuted, and if, you, if you're spiritual in any kind of sense at all today, you can see that everything going on in the world is a thrust to come after and destroy God's righteousness, to destroy the Christian thought, the Christian faith. That's what all that's about out there in the street. It's not about Black Lives Matter. It's not about guns. It's the Satan is behind it, and it is a thrust to reach a point where Christians Christians are their mouths are shut, their lives are locked away, if not killed, and that is where we're headed. And 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 this letter was written in a time uh, like that, but far worse and farther along than where we are in what's taking place today. So let us take encouragement as we read what Paul wrote in his last letter. And uh, everything that God's going to do in your life is according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus if it's if if it's not in Christ Jesus God's not going to be doing it God functions in Christ Jesus. He walks in that light, the light of Christ and what he did at Calvary. And if we walk with him in the light, then we'll have fellowship one with another. Do you get that? We need to understand that and cling to that. And God is really stirring up his people. There's a great shaking going on right now. That's what all this stuff out there, really, that's what's going on. It is a shaking, and anything that can be shaken loose from the faith is being shaken loose right now. It don't take much to get some people shaken loose from what they thought they had, or maybe some of them used to have. Jesus taught, if you have hearing, more will be given to you. He didn't say if things are rough and you really can't hear right now because things are rough. No, no. Those who have hearing, more will be given. And those who have not, even what they seem to have, will be taken from them. And we need to remember that. So, uh, we're living in a time right now that we're, everything's being shaken. Look at everything that's changing. And I don't care what you say and what you want to believe. Things are never going back to the way they were one year ago. They're not going to happen. Uh, things are escalating toward the end of this age. We have what we need. The world doesn't have what they need, and that's why they're acting like fools, because they don't know what to do. I mean, if you don't know what to do, you'll do what they're doing. <laughs> if you don't have what we have, you'll do what they're doing. You'll do it at home among your family. You'll do it out in the streets among everybody. Uh, if you don't have what you need, which is the grace of God, the mercy of God. He says in verse 2, To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now look, again, here we are. Paul is saying that he's a channel through this letter, the words he's writing, for the grace, the mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He's reminding Timothy. It's a letter of remind, being reminded or remind, however you say it, 
He's being reminded of God's grace, mercy, and peace. It's available to you. Don't turn away from it. Don't fall from it. That's what we need. And again, as I said Wednesday night, it's not on our terms. This Christian life in Christ, this will of God, it's not on our terms. When I want, how I want, why I want, how I want, and where I want. It's not on my terms. We have a Bible and the Spirit of God to lead us in the path of righteousness. It's all on God's terms. It's not on my terms. When I try to uh, uh, put God where I want God and I'm trying to build the puzzle or paint the picture, it's not going to work out. And a lot of times we don't like uh, God's terms where he has us and, and, and where, we've ha- where we are, where we're at. And, and all we need to do is just keep trusting the Lord and God will send the right word to you because that is what he's going to send. He's going to send his word of truth so that you can be encouraged unless the truth can't encourage you. And uh, if that's the case, then you got big problems. But Timothy was Paul's beloved son in the Lord. He encourages Timothy with a reminder that God's mercy and peace is from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Get this, Paul never had the attitude that God's grace was in the past, but was available daily. And he was experiencing that daily and reminding everyone daily of that grace, mercy, and peace. And that's that's why we preach the cross. People don't, I mean, people look at us preaching the cross and they say, well, you really ought to be doing this, you ought to be loving, you ought to be preaching doing this. They all got their own ideals, but Paul was determined to know nothing else. And the reason he preached the cross all the time and reminded Timothy here of what only faith in the cross can get you, which is the grace, mercy, and the peace of God, is for that fact right there. It can't come because you wake up feeling good today. And now you're going to experience grace, mercy, and peace. It it, it don't not come tomorrow because you wake up feeling horrible and it's just going to be a pitiful spiritual day. No, it's there at all times. It don't, because it ain't about how we feel. It's not about how we, what we think. It's not based on our terms. God's grace, mercy, and peace for our experience, our part is to continue to believe in the cross of Christ. And so he daily reminded everybody of that. And never we're going to always be reminded in this teaching over the next few weeks of 2 Timothy of how this was Paul's last letter. The encouraging words and horrendous times in, in a time the church was being persecuted. And Paul didn't say go hide. He said keep on preaching, keep on teaching, keep on warning, keep on trusting in God's grace, his mercy, and his peace. Keep on trusting in God. That, that was the message. Don't run and hide. Don't throw in the towel. Remember, it's, I'm going to say, I'm going to be saying this a lot because God gave it to me in the middle of the message Wednesday night. It's not on our terms. Stephen was stoned. That wouldn't have been what he would have selected. And you and I, are given the same today. Now, this this Bible verse will make most people get out, run away, and never come back. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi in chapter 1, verse 29, and said that we've been given to believe upon Him and to suffer with Him. 
Not only have we been given Christ that we may believe upon Him, but that we may suffer with Him. And somebody said, Amen, but I don't like it. Well, suffering's coming like we've never known as a church in the days ahead. And we're not called to run from it. We're called to carry the cross right through it. Amen, Brother Curtis. Or, oh me, help me, Lord. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, Paul referred to Timothy as his son. He reminds Timothy, grace, mercy, and peace is still from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's still available. Don't forget about it. God's grace is what God does. God's mercy is is through the avenue that He does it because God's mercy is His uh, not overlooking but dealing with our sin through the cross so, so that He can do by grace what needs to be done in our lives and we can have the peace, the stillness, and the quietness of soul even in the most horrendous times. And again, Paul was writing this knowing I'm about to die. And I know Timothy needs word of encouragement. And let me say it again. He didn't write, or we don't know about him writing, anybody else. He may have written people, but we don't have access to that. So as far as we are aware of, Paul wrote Timothy and Timothy alone as his last letter before he would die. And so verse 3, we move into that. And of course, we could stay on verse 1 for three weeks. But verse 3 says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of you in my prayers night and day. Now, you got to understand this. Timothy knew Paul was in prison. He knew Paul was about to die because in this time, if you're a Christian in prison, you're going to be executed. You're not getting out anymore. Christians have been blamed for burning Rome, and uh, they're, they're dying for it. They're going to die for it because you know that wasn't. That's just what Nero used because Nero was Satan in the flesh. If you understand what I mean, but if you were a Christian in prison during this time, you weren't going home. You were never going home. And sometimes I wonder how I would act if I knew that. I've been captured and I've been put in jail and tomorrow my execution's going to take place. You know? And I believe that the grace of God would be there for me if I would choose and it would be a choice. It's not mystical and magical. It doesn't just take me over and and it's my focus, my conscious decision to trust in Jesus and what he's accomplished for me at Calvary. Do you actually believe that Stephen, when he was being stoned, saw with his physical eyes a man standing at the right hand of God. No, he didn't. He saw that by faith. He saw that because he trusted in Christ. He, he, he walked with Christ in spirit. He, he, he didn't walk with, with Christ after, uh, after the flesh any longer. The Bible says we don't know him after the flesh, talking about Jesus any longer. But, but Stephen, even while he was being killed, stoned, He declared, I see the Son of Man or the Son of God, whichever one it says, standing at the right hand of the Father, at the right hand of God. He didn't see that with these physical eyes. He saw that by faith. He believed to the point where God showed him in the Spirit that Jesus was standing for what he was doing. What was he doing? 
He was still walking in the grace and the peace of God, even though we like to think of peace being out under a pecan tree with a glass of sweet tea and thank God for those peaceful times, but that's not the peace of God. The peace of God is the stillness of soul because my trust is in the one that I've committed my soul to. Amen? But let's read this again. I thank God. Paul never gets away. From God, His, he, he he doesn't just get into uh, natural things. He doesn't get in, he's just always about God, always about the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, always focused, always focused. And I promise you, my friend, if that's your life as well, and just because you're not the Apostle Paul doesn't mean you can't be focused on Jesus Christ every day of your life and your love for Him growing and your intimacy with Him growing, your trust in Him growing, your, you growing in the faith in Him, and, and, you, and you are growing. And, and if that's your case, even in a time like this, you're going to know how to find the grace of God. And God will show you certain things in these situations just like he showed Stephen. Now, most of the church don't even want to hear this kind of talk. They get very uncomfortable. And the days ahead, my friends, what's going on when this was written is going to happen again. And you need to be prepared for it. I know most people, if this is what was taught and really looked at a lot, people would begin to fall out because... Uh, they don't. They don't want to suffer at all. Well, who does? Who wants to suffer? We're not signing up to suffer, but we've been given that because Paul also wrote. And we'll get to that, I believe, at the end of uh, or, or about midway through the second chapter. That if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. So there's a lot about suffering, and the only way you can suffer properly is if your faith is in the cross of Christ. That's your trusting in Jesus and the great love that he has for you and the Father as well through what they did for you at Calvary. And that will give you the grace, the mercy, and the peace that you need in any situation. This is why Paul is reminding Timothy. This is not a letter just happen chance. Well, I better write Timothy. I'm about to die. No, this is... The Spirit of God stirring the apostle to the Gentiles, Paul, his heart to write a letter to Timothy. God already knew that what Paul wrote to Timothy that would get in the hands of Curtis Hutchinson some 1900 years later. God already knew that this was his word by his spirit and that this would reach Timothy, that this would reach, God knew this would reach Timothy. God knows this would reach you because, and he intends on it reaching us so that he can do something in us to us, for us, by us, and through us, because that's what this letter is really for. A move of God in your heart and my heart. A move of God in Timothy's heart and the people of Ephesus that he pastured. We need to be reminded by those that we have learned through that we are being prayed for without ceasing. Paul's doing that to Timothy. I'm praying for you without ceasing. I constantly am praying for you. A pastor constantly prays for his flock. He, 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 he may not name every single person every single day, but his people uh, situations bring people into his mind or the Lord just reminds that pastor or, or the pastor just prays t- uh, for the entire congregation. A pastor that's called by God is praying for the congregation. 
doesn't matter what they think. Well, pastor must not be praying for me today. Your pastor's praying for you if he's called by God because the people of God, the fellowship with them and the desire for them to go forward, not so he can look good, but so they can have what the will of God is for their lives. That's a true pastor's heart. I, I want what's best for you. That means according to the promise of life that's found in Christ Jesus. That, that's what a pastor wants for the flock, to glorify God in their lives and, and, and to, 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 to grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul knows he's leaving, but he's got a pretty good ideal that Timothy's last day is not any day coming up. and Maybe he'll uh, live long enough to get this letter. Maybe he'll live more uh, years to be able to carry the things out that I've told him because my life is over. I've run my race. I've fought the fight. I've carried the cross. And that, and that ought to be all of our, our, our attitudes toward our families, our children, our whoever's in our lives. That Are we leaving a legacy, a trail of truth behind us? And, 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 and we, you know, Christians miss out on a lot of, 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 of things that they look at and they, they wish they could be more a part of, more family opportunities. And some people, family, it, just all their time is, is spent, spent with family and, and, and they, they don't even and go to church much because of family. And, and, and we look at that and sometimes we, we feel bad, like am I not doing enough with my family? And, and then the Lord reminds us, no, you're leaving a trail of truth for your family. You're living the example. And, and it, 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 the best thing you can do is just keep marching on in truth instead of throwing that aside or, or getting uh, uh, wishy-washy with it for the sake of, of, of spending all your time with family. Families important. Don't take this the wrong way. But you leaving a trail of truth for them is greater. Hallelujah. If all you've done is fellowship and spend time with your family, you have nothing when you leave except a memory of you. Listen, but if you leave a trail, a legacy of truth for them, of the Word of God taught, preached, shared in the light of Jesus and what He did at Calvary and the promises that come from that, you've left them a picture of of who God is and God wants and the things God wants for him and the avenue through which it comes. What's more important? And what are you going to be rewarded for? Amen. Paul prays for Timothy. He says, without ceasing, night and day, you're in my prayer. Night and day. You know, and of course, we pray here every Monday night at 7, from 7 to 8. And we, several times over the years, we've mentioned that what Paul has said about we should pray without ceasing. And that doesn't mean go into a closet, never come out and just pray. But it means that prayer is really... Uh, it's a way of life for the believer that, that, that we're constantly in prayer. And I've noticed that over the last couple of years in my own life that uh, the closer you get to the Lord, the more you're interceding for everybody. People you don't know, situation, the helicopter flies over. You know it's going to get somebody where a, the helicopter that comes from the hospital, you just, I see it coming over our house and I'll say, 
Lord, please, oh, help those who are hurting. Oh, God, save them, deliver them, remind them of your goodness. Introduce them. I mean, I'll just be out in the yard. And, I mean, and, 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 you know, when I see something on social media, I'll just pray. And I looked out the window about three weeks ago. One of our young people finally got old enough to, to, to get a car and to drive a car. It's a young man. I heard something outside, the motor revving up, and I peeked through the blinds, and I saw Ethan was, was done, got him a car. And the first thing I said was, oh, Lord, help him and keep him safe, Lord. I mean, your life becomes, uh, the closer you are to the Lord, the, the more you're going to be a person of, of prayer and intercession. I mean, uh, that's just the way it is because you know Jesus. You know what he can do. You, you know that nothing's impossible with him. And therefore, the needs that you see in your own life and others, you, 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 you send them to him because he's able. And that becomes really a life of praying without ceasing, without stopping. It's just, it's really who you are. You're, 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 you're a person that believes God can, so you offer him petitions and supplications. And in this case, uh, Paul is reminding Timothy, because you know it's encouraging if I go up to Peyton and say, Peyton, I, yesterday, boy, and last night I just prayed for you, man. I prayed that... that that, that affects somebody that, that's got a relationship with the Lord. That affects them. Do you know I prayed for you? You call somebody on the phone and said, you, you know the Lord just really had me praying for you today. That, that has an effect on people. A good effect if they're walking with the Lord or if they're, whatever the case, that has an effect on everybody. So pick up the phone when the Lord stirs your heart. Lay somebody on your heart. Don't just pray for them. Call them. Tell them, you know what? The Lord stirred my heart. Or when you see them at church or work or in the classroom, tell them, you know the Lord laid you on my heart. And I began to pray for you the other day. You will never know what that could do for somebody. Paul, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, was led to tell Timothy these things. He, he wasn't trying to puff himself up or puff uh, uh, Timothy up. He was just reminding him, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience. Ain't nothing hindering, flawed about my conscience. And he says that without ceasing I have remembrance of you in my prayers night and day. Now, that'd be special, wouldn't it? Somebody's in prison, they're going to die any day, but they're they're writing a letter to you saying, I'm praying for you every, every day and every night. Wow. They're thinking about me even upon their deathbed there. That's something. And the Apostle Paul, the one who met Jesus on the road to Damascus and had his whole life turned around. <laughs> He's writing a letter to me. That's what's, that's, man, that's. That's just encouraging. And that's what was needed in this time of the days ahead. You're going to need to be encouraged. But you're going to need to be encouraged with the truth. The reminder of who and what truth is. And what's available to you through that truth. Which is Christ and Him crucified. Paul served God with a pure conscience. Even, he says, from his forefathers. Do you understand that even when Paul was uh, persecuting Christians, he thought he was doing that for God. He didn't know he was uh, persecuting Christ. And remember, that's what Jesus told him when he found him on the road to um, uh, uh, Damascus. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Think about that. 
And he had to be confronted because, he, listen, he thought his heart was right with God. He thought what he was doing was right toward God. It's kind of like Cornelius, except Cornelius was a Gentile. Uh, God notices everybody who wants to serve him. But he can't do anything in their hearts. He can't do anything for them. Uh, he can't move in and take over till they hear and believe the gospel. And that's why you read the story of Cornelius. That had to happen. But Paul was serving God with a pure conscience even when he was persecuting Christians because he thought he was really serving God. He was a zealous Jew. He loved the Word of God. He loved the law. He, he operated accordingly. And, 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 I mean, you just read the testimony he gives of himself and all that he was carrying out in the flesh, which, by the way, he, 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 didn't, he didn't throw all that. He didn't throw his forefathers away because his forefathers believed in Jehovah. The same Jehovah that became flesh, the same God that became flesh and dwelt among them. Now, most Israel didn't reject him, but Paul finally did when he met Jesus and realized, oh no. And that's what Paul had to realize, oh no. I thought I'd been serving God. I've been zealous to serve God, but I've rejected the Messiah. And here he is, and he realized that. And how many of us, you and I in this room, have had to come to that realization even after we've been born again? We thought we were serving God in this avenue and through that avenue and that. And then just to realize that the only avenue to serve God in is if we're serving righteousness, which means faith in the cross. Or we're just zealous to serve God and it's the flesh. If it's not serving God in righteousness, Romans chapter 6, we're serving God according to the flesh. And everything that's of the flesh is at enmity against Him. And Paul met Jesus, accepted Jesus. And that, that pure conscience he had before, he still had a pure conscience now. It was a clean conscience. And, and, and you have to wonder if Paul didn't begin to be troubled when he would see people like Stephen being stoned and he held the garments of those that stoned him. And a lot of you Bible scholars and believe that that's where Paul might have begun to be convicted. I don't really know myself. I wasn't there, of course. But he watched a man being persecuted, stoned to death, saying, I see the Son of God standing at the right hand of the Father. I can't remember. I didn't look it up. How, how, what he saw, I mean, in the words he spoke it, but it was Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I mean, Paul saw, saw that. There had to be something. Man, how can he be that sure when they're stoning him? But anyway, Paul says... I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers. He didn't throw out his forefathers and all they believed and all they believed in, in the ages past, but he did throw out that it was by the law you could be saved and live. He threw that out. And, and most of Israel did not throw that out. They would not accept Christ. And he tells Timothy that without ceasing... I have remembrance of you in my prayers night and day. This means that Paul didn't think of himself as breaking away from his Jewish fathers, but rather having a greater revelation 
of what they had all those years before. So Paul didn't just throw out all the Jewish everything. He didn't throw it away. Because it's through all the Jews the Israelites had been through that that Christ had been in all along. God painting a portrait of His Son, as we like to say. And then Jesus coming to save them. And He didn't throw away the prophets, the law, and the Scriptures. He just no longer believed that it was through the law He was made righteous. So... For all those who like to just throw away the Old Testament, just because we're not under law, you're making a a, a really a big mistake because Jesus said the Scriptures are about Him. In Hebrews, uh, rather, Psalms 40, verse 7, Hebrews 10, verse 7, Luke 5, uh, 39, Luke 24, 44 through 46, and all those places, Jesus said, the Scriptures are about Him. The volume of the book is about Him. So I'm glad I know that today. I might not know everything and don't know much of anything, but I know the Scriptures are about Jesus. Hallelujah. And that, that's the only application they can have to my heart because I'm in Him. Hallelujah. Paul didn't say what a lot of Christians say today. I'm thinking about you. <laughs> you hear that often. Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about you. <laughs> well, so were the guards that were about to kill him. Yeah, the world says that. Christians say, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm thanking God for you. I'm praying to God for you. I'm praying for you. Verse 4 says, Greatly desiring to see you. No, he, he knew he wasn't going to. Unless God worked another miracle, brought another earthquake, shook the chains, rattled the pillars in the, in the jail and got him out. He'd done been through that. No, that's possible. More than likely, because he would tell him, I'm at the end of my race. I fought the fight. Paul knew this was, this was the end. This was, he was nearing the end. But watch what he says. Greatly desiring to see you. Do you have a great desire in your heart to see the saints of God that God has strategically brought with you as, as a mission, just like he brought Paul and Timothy together? And Paul's heart was, oh, if I could just see Timothy. Look at what he says. Greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Paul remembered the tears that Timothy cried at the acceptance of this truth, the acceptance of his call, his giftings, the tears that he cried at the realization that God loved him, that God's brought him into the fold, that God saved him just like he did his, his grandmother and his mother, which Paul will remind him of those in here in just a, a few verses later. And, and Paul is reminded of the tears. Are you reminded of the broken hearts you've seen among God's people? Are you reminded of the moves of God in the lives of other people? Are you reminded of that? Does that stir your heart to joy? That's what Paul says. I have a great desire to see you, Timothy. And I'm remembering your tears. 
Oh, that I may be filled with joy. I remember God moving in your heart, stirring your heart. I remember when God moved upon you. Oh, and that gives me great joy to be able to remember that. Hallelujah. Boy, that's good news right there. I can read that and get encouraged myself because I, you know, there are people who's prayed for me. I'm so thankful that my daddy, before he went to be with the Lord, got to see what his son, uh, was was becoming in Christ instead of just a wayward drunk and an idiot out in the world. I'm glad that my daddy got to have joy in his heart because he saw his son choosing to go the way of Christ, the way of the cross. I'm so thankful for that. And that's important because when you allow God to move in your heart and upon your life, it's having an effect on other people. And I know we, we throw it away many times with, oh, they're just trying to put on an emotional show. They're just trying to operate on their feelings. Well, you don't, we don't really know that. We, we can't just throw that out. If somebody's being moved on by God and tears are there, we don't, we don't need to look for another church to go to where that's not happening. Instead, that ought to be stirring our hearts. Whether they're just trying to put on a fleshly show, that's between them and God. But when I see somebody stirred to tears, even lifting their hands to praise God, when I remember that, it stirs my heart. That gives me joy. Why? Not because of what they're doing, but because of what I know God's doing in them to bring that to pass. Y'all know what I'm talking about this morning? A move of God in your life has an effect on somebody else's life. And oh, what a testimony for God to be able to move on your behalf, on Timothy's behalf, and Paul be encouraged and have filled with joy because he saw Timothy Crying after the Lord in the presence of the Lord. The heart of a child of God who's walking with the Lord is to be in fellowship with other believers. Where that's lacking, there's something in the heart that's lacking. Paul says that if he could see Timothy, his heart would be filled with joy. Paul also remembered the sincerity of Timothy and even his tears before the Lord. Now watch this, verse 5. we got about 11 minutes, unless y'all want to go an extra hour. I'm kidding. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, that means genuine and undisguised. We're going to see something in this. I hope we can make it through this verse today. When I call to remembrance, oh, you know what? Maybe we need to call some things to remembrance. You ever do that? Lord... Help me to remember this, uh, whatever this is. Help me to remember. I call to remembrance. He's, he's reminding Timothy right here, though. I call to remembrance. I'm bringing this to your remembrance, Timothy. The unfeigned, the genuine, the undisguised faith that is in you. Your faith is real, Timothy. No, you didn't miss the boat. You didn't bump your head. You didn't just get on in, in some big something that everybody was going the same direction. Your faith is genuine. Your faith is undisguised. It's real. That's what he's reminding him. He's calling this to his remembrance. Which was first, first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded that is in you also. 
want you to think about that. You're not a Christian because you live in America. You're not a Christian because your grandmother and your mother was. You're a Christian because you've accepted the same faith they accepted, the truth of Jesus Christ as the Son of God and what He did for you at Calvary. That's what gave you that genuine, God didn't give you nothing fake. God didn't give you something that won't work. God gave you the measure of faith, Romans 12, 3, and that faith works every time you're trusting in where that faith was brought from. You have the measure of the faith of the Son of God and what He did at the cross because He loves you. And God gave you a genuine faith, a real faith. He gave you an undisguised faith, a faith that works. It works by love, but it works. Hallelujah. Faith always works. And that's what Paul's reminding Timothy of here. Your grandmother had the faith. Your mother had the faith. And he said, I'm persuaded that you've got this faith. Woo! I'm persuaded persuaded that us in this room this morning have the faith. I'm persuaded that we have the faith. I'm not trying to figure it out. I'm not trying to wait and see if you make a mistake, because I already know you and me both going to make a mistake. <laughs> but I know that we have the faith, because Jesus gave it to us. We have the measure of his faith, praise God. Paul reminded Timothy of what he had seen through his life being lived for Christ, which was his unfeigned faith. And again, that means it's undisguised. It's not, I got my own thing going with God. No, if you got anything going on with God, the manifestation will be there for the encouragement, edification of the body. God does things in us that nobody knows what He's doing. I get that. But when God's doing something, changing something, the outflow of it is what is seen. Paul said he saw this. I persuaded that you have this faith. I remember your tears. Hallelujah. He says, not now I like this, boy. This is something the Lord gave me last night. I told Robin, come here and look at this. This unfeigned faith, this undisguised Genuine faith is not something that you just say you have. It's something others see and say you have. Oh, I, I got the faith. Good for you. When am I going to get to see it? Let me read that again. The unfeigned faith, the undisguised, genuine faith, that measure of faith that the Lord Jesus Christ gave you is not exclusively something you say you have. Nothing wrong with saying you have it. You better tell yourself, I thank God I got the faith. I got the measure of faith given to me. So I can think soberly and not more highly of myself than I ought to. But it's not exclusively something you say you have, but it's something others see, see, and say you have. Because your relationship with the Lord is to be seen by others. And there's a lot of old folks say, well, what we got going on with the Lord, son, just between me and him. I get that. But if you got anything going on with the Lord, there's an outflow of it for me to see. Because what God's doing in your life is not just for you. We're all a part of the same body, is it not? When, when, when something's going on on this side of your body that ain't healthy or it's, or it's crippled, when it gets better, all your body's happy. And that's the body of Christ. Others who know the faith, 
know others who have the faith. Others who are walking in the faith recognize others who are walking in the faith. doesn't mean they condemn people when they're not walking in the faith. we got a big problem with that. But Paul stood up, and I talk about this all the time. You can't follow my ministry without hearing about this. Paul stood up and rebuked Peter face-to-face, Galatians chapter 2 says. And Paul said, when I saw that they weren't walking uprightly according to the truth, then he brought the message again of justification. Others who know the faith know others who have the faith because it's to be seen. Your faith is the most valuable thing you have. The question for me today, and I'll ask all of us, can others see the most valuable thing you've got? Because it's not your shoes, it's not your house, it's not your car, your whatever, it's not all the goodies you've got. The most valuable thing we have is the relationship with Christ, yes, but that's through the measure of faith that we've been given so that we can operate, we can walk with Him sober-mindedly. Not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. Back to Romans 12, 3. Or others speaking of the most genuine thing you have, you claim you have. Or others speak of that. Remember Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 8, Paul said, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. There it is again. I'm thanking God, but I'm doing it through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Your faith, that measure of faith you received of the Lord is the most valuable thing you have is other people seeing the most valuable thing you've been given of the Lord. It's your faith. Everybody all right this morning? Is our faith being spoken of? Paul said the church in Rome and their faith is being spoken of to the ends of the world. Now listen to me this morning. If you, when you hear things like this, if you get, if you get convicted... Don't throw rocks at the preacher calling that he's trying to condemn me. And bless God, i got my own thing going on with the Lord. And I don't care what he says. And You know, it ain't about what everybody else. Yes, it is. You, you are your brother and your sister's keeper. You are not to put your light under a bushel basket, under the bed. You are to let your light shine. Amen. That means the measure of your faith is working by love because it's in Christ and what he did at Calvary. Paul reminds Timothy also that his mother and grandmother had this same unfeigned and genuine faith and says that he is sure this same faith is in him as well. I'm glad this morning, and even though we're not better than anybody on the planet, we have the faith, the unfeigned, genuine faith that Paul had, that Timothy had. Listen, it's not about having great faith. It's about just allowing the measure of faith you've been given to function. And, and, and the Holy Spirit uses that measure of faith you've been given when your faith remains in Calvary. Others will see the fruit of that. Most will not like it because the message of the cross is the least popular message and has always been. 
but it's the most popular message in heaven. And it's the only message through which fruit comes, through which faith can function and operate, and all that God's called you to be and to, and to do, you'll be found functioning according to the promise of life that's in Christ Jesus by the will of God. It all comes through the cross, not through the cross 40 years ago in your faith, and now things are just, no, today again, my declaration is that Jesus is Lord, and He became my Lord through what He did for me at the cross. For there I was justified unto life. The, you know, Romans chapter 5 teaches that the gift of righteousness was unto justification. And Jesus did the work of righteousness at Calvary. It's called the work of peace. It's called the effect of that work being assurance and stillness. And that is unto our justification. And justification is unto life. And I'm thankful to know that today. Aren't you glad that you have genuine faith? undisguised faith. People ask you what you believe, you tell them in a moment's time. You don't tell them where you go to church or who your preacher is. People start talking about the Scriptures, someone operating in that genuine, undisguised faith, they join right in with the Scriptures and happy to do it. But others who are not walking in this genuine and undisguised faith, when the Scriptures are beginning to be spoken of, they move away from the crowd. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I used to be one of them. Thank God, that He sent His Son not only to die for me, but to every time I move away from the truth to approach me, to steer me back the right direction. Hallelujah. And that's a lot for me. Glory to God. Well, it's been a great hour here with you on Friday morning. I hope that you've been blessed. If you have a desire to know the truth of God's Word, I know that you have. Join us every Friday morning at 9 a.m. as we dig a little bit further into this second, uh, this letter of 2 Timothy, which again was Paul's last letter. Letter. His first letter was first, first Thessalonians. And so this is his last. We'll dig into it. We'll pray God give us the meat of his word in our hearts and cause the light of his son Jesus Christ to shine through the gospel into our hearts. And uh, be with us every week. Don't forget to pray for us. And so into good ground, which is where you're hearing the truth of God's Word and growing in His grace and knowledge. You can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can text your giving to 903-231-5950. God bless you. We love you. And until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then. Questions, comments, rock chunking.